is, but they don't always enjoy me preaching to them. But uh, I hate it when they run out, you know. I like it when they cry and beg their mom to let them stay, listen to that guy. But uh, it's a joy to be here and uh, looking forward to this week. As Pastor said, lots of folks coming in for the conference, but I hope you'll take advantage of that as well and uh, be in some of the services as you can. And I know it'll be a blessing and help to you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. I almost didn't get here. I, 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 I Googled the church. I followed my GPS and uh, I got to this road that said, you're here. And I was nowhere. I didn't see a church anywhere. I was two blocks that way. And um, it said the road was closed. And I thought, well, it looks like I can get through there. So I came down this road and I got to the church, but I couldn't get to the church. And so uh, if you work for the city, I apologize. I drove up on the sidewalk to go around the barrier uh, to, to get here because pastor said we were praying at 915. I didn't want to be late. And so uh, I blamed it on that. But uh, I'm glad I got here. I'm not sure how I'm going to get away from here, but I'm not taking the route I came to get here uh, on the way out. But uh, it's a joy to be here. And uh, thank you for the beautiful weather uh, you've provided for this week here in South Dakota. I'm originally from Wisconsin, and uh, thank the Lord for my Midwestern roots. And uh, the Lord has put me in the desert of California these last 27 years, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm glad I get to travel much of my life and uh, spend it in wonderful places like Brookings, South Dakota. Take your Bible this morning. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah and the 40th chapter. We're going to read just a few verses as a text, starting with verse 6. But then keep your Bible handy as we'll look to several other verses in this chapter as we move along. Isaiah chapter 40, and we'll start with verse 6. The voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. In 1962, I was riding in the backseat of our automobile. My dad was driving, my mom was in the front, my sister and I in the back. We were driving down Main Street in Watertown, Wisconsin, and we were stopped at a stop and go light at 4th Street. And I was peering over the back of that front seat, a 10-year-old boy, and I, I noticed the car in front of us it had a bumper sticker. It's kind of an ugly bumper sticker. It was kind of a lime green color with a black outline. It had black letters, and it had three words on that bumper sticker that I have never forgotten. It said, God is dead. Growing up as a teenager in the 1960s, I saw that bumper sticker a lot. In fact, I think many days I saw it every day on somebody's car. God is dead. As I got a little bit older, I began to 
uh, find some of the history to that statement or that philosophy. And it, it came out of Germany through a man named Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche was a philosopher who believed that God at one time lived, but had died. And when God died, all absolutes died, all, all, uh, all uh, uh, values died, all morality died, all, all, everything died when God died. And today, we see the result of that thinking, don't we? Today, we see an elimination of God on every hand. It seems that God is only mentioned in a cursing fashion. God is, is outlawed in the public forums. He is forbidden to speak about in our everyday life. Today, it seems that God is being pushed farther and farther from our culture and from our society. And while we could spend a lot of time, I suppose, breaking all of that down in our culture, let me ask us this. How alive is God in your life? Did you talk to him this week? Did you let him talk to you? Did you, did you think about him? Did, did you speak to anybody else about him? How alive is God in our life? If I were to give you a piece of paper and a writing instrument, and I would ask you in the next few moments to write down a definition of God, what would you write? How would you define God? How would you describe God? Now, when we finish that, we've got to ask ourselves a question. Does God believe in my God? Because if you go on the streets of Brookings this morning and you just ask random people, who is God? You're going to get a variety of answers. But God is not who I think he is. God is not who Hollywood says he is. God is not who they say he is on social media. God is not what they tell us on Fox News. We meet God in the Bible. And the reason we've gotten away from our proper definition of God is because we've gotten away from his word. In Isaiah 8 and verse 20, Isaiah said, If they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. In other words, if we don't have answers to spiritual questions from the Bible, we don't have the right answer. Jeremiah 8 and verse 9, The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they've rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is in them? There is no wisdom outside of this book. Jesus said, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. So who is God? Isaiah chapter 40, God gives us a wonderful definition of himself. I want you to notice, first of all, in the description that God gives of himself, he tells us that God is above all. Now look at verse 12, and let's read a little bit. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out heaven with a span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance. 
who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him, with whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beast thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. They are counted him less than nothing and vanity. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melteth the graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation, chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh in him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. And he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. You see how he's emphasizing over and over and over again in this passage, there is none like unto God. He is above all. He's above all. If we were to write a definition of God, we would say, well, he's like, and we would compare him to something we've seen, something we've heard, something we've experienced. He, he's like, we've got to understand, as verse 26 says, everything that we can use to describe God, he created he created these things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Job said, I know it is so of a truth, but how can a man be just with God? If he contend with him, he cannot answer him one in a thousand. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? which removeth the mountains and they know not, which overthroweth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place and the pillars thereof tremble, which calleth Arcturus and Orion and Pallades and the chambers of the south, which doeth great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Job in chapter 12 said, Ask now the beasts and they'll tell thee, Speak to the earth, it'll teach thee. The fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, Yea, who knoweth not that in all these the hand of the Lord hath wrought this, in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Hannah, her prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 2 said, There's none holy as the Lord, for there's none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more, so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy go out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him are actions weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken. They that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. Bread, and they that were hungry ceased. For the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many 
children is waxed feeble, for the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up again. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar out of the dunghill to set them among princes that they may inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the worlds upon them. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them until they be destroyed. For by strength shall no man prevail. You see, God is above all. We're not as big as we think we are. Oh, man has a great accumulated knowledge today, and we have lots of information, but we're not as big as we think we are. The solar system that we live in today is 6 billion miles across. The galaxy that you and I inhabit is called the Milky Way Galaxy. No one knows where it got that name. I think it was when the cow jumped over the moon. That's when they named it the Milky Way. But the Milky Way Galaxy, they tell us, if you were able to stand back in this universe and you were able to look at the Milky Way Galaxy from a distance... It would look like a giant bowl or a giant dish. Now, scientists tell us that if you could get on one end of this galaxy and travel at the speed of light, that's 186,282 miles per second. That's moving. If you could travel at the speed of light, 186,282 miles per second, it would take you one 100,000 years to cross this galaxy called the Milky Way. It is estimated that there are 100 billion galaxies like ours, 40 sextillion solar systems. Our Earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. It's 25,000 miles around this planet. The sun is 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth. The sun is our nearest star. The next nearest star is 26 trillion miles away. The supernova recently discovered has 10 septillion. We're getting into the big numbers now. If you're taking notes, start way over on the left side of your page. Because 10 septillion is a 10 with 24 zeros after it. The supernova has 10 septillion times more energy in it than the hydrogen bomb. You see why David walked out one night and he said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their lines go out to the ends of the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Did you see what he said about the nations here? Look at verse 15. He said, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. China, dust. Russia, drop of a bucket. United States, God says, give me a break. Look at verse 17. All nations before him are as nothing. They're counted him less than nothing and vanity. Uh, Put that balance scale up here. Put put it up on the stage. Get a big balance scale up here. 
You know, the, 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 the arm with the, with the two sides, you know, and the, and the plates. Get a big balance scale up here. And God says, take all the nations of the world. Take them all. United States, Russia, Canada, China, Mexico. Put them all over here. All the big nations, all the little nations, the superpowers, the little nations. Put all their resources, all their military muscle, all of their wealth. Put them over here on this side of the scale. He says, put me over here, God. And he says, compared to me, they're below zero. Less than nothing. Well, where does that put me? Well, verse 22, he says, the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, in the sides of the north, the city of that great king. The Lord is the true God. He's the living God. He's an everlasting king. The Lord is above all. But notice, secondly, God is not only above all, God is aware of all. I don't know about you, but when I start thinking about the magnificence of God, the omnipotence of God, I think, well, God doesn't care about me. I mean, I'm as a grasshopper. I'm nothing. If the nations are nothing, God, God doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about whether I'm saved or not. And there's 8 billion people on the planet. He doesn't, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care if I go to heaven or hell. He doesn't care about my, my needs. He doesn't care about my checkbook balance. He doesn't care about my, my aches and pains. He doesn't care about my relationships. God, God doesn't care about me. But we're wrong. Look at verse 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding? God is aware of all. When you think about creation, it's fun to think about the big things, the big numbers, as we did a minute ago. When you think about creation, you also have to think about the minute details of that creation. Um, you know that our earth is tilted on its axes, right? Whenever you see a globe, it's always tilted on its axes. Did you know that our earth is tilted at an exact degree of angle in space? They say if our earth was tilted just one degree, one direction, we'd all freeze to death. If it was tilted just one degree the other direction, we'd all burn up. So our earth is tilted at an exact degree of angle in space so that life can inhabit this planet. Now remember, that, that globe in the school library or in an office somewhere, that globe that sits on a desk, and it's on a stand. There's something holding it there. You can go up to it, give it a spin, watch the world go around. It's on a stand. It's holding it at that degree of angle. But Job 26, 7 said, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. 
So our earth is tilted at an exact degree of angle, never wavers, but it's hanging on nothing. And as you contemplate the fact that it's tilted at an exact degree of angle, hanging on nothing, remember, it's also spinning once every 24 hours. Exactly once every 24 hours. And while you're thinking about the fact it's tilted at an exact degree of angle, hanging on nothing, spinning every 24 hours, remember, it's also revolving around the sun. <laughs> Details. Everything is made up of atoms. Atoms are what make up matter. If you look at an atom under a microscope, you're not going to see it. It's too small. All you see is the shadow of the atom. In fact, if you take 100,000 atoms and you line them up next to each other in a single file line, the distance of 100,000 atoms will cross the width of a human hair. And yet inside each one of those little atoms is a proton, neutron, electron. Guess who put them there? Details. The moon. The moon is situated in an exact proximity to our Earth. If our moon was situated 100 miles, just 100 miles further away from our Earth, we'd have no tides. And if we had no tides, we'd have no seasons, no summer, no fall, no winter, no spring. If the moon was 100 miles closer to the earth, we'd have no land. We'd be covered with water. Details. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them does not fall to the ground without your heavenly father. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Not one bird will fall to the ground today that God does not attend the funeral. The hairs of your head are all numbered. It doesn't say in the Bible that God knows how many hairs are in your head. We could figure that out. We could, we could count them. I mean, take a while for most. Some of you, could, we could finish by lunch. You know? <laughs> Some of you look like your wife married you for the waves. Now all that's left is the beach. <laughs> it's okay. I like what one fellow said, this is not a, not a bald spot, it's a solar panel. I like that. But God says the hairs of our head are all numbered. Every hair on top of my head, every eyebrow hair, every eyelash hair, every whisker hair has a number with God. And you don't think God knows that you're saved? You don't think that God knows about the sin in your life, Christian? You don't think God's aware of the thoughts you had this past week? You don't think God knows your prayer requests? He's aware of all. There is nothing hid from Him. Whither shall I go from Thy Spirit? Whither shall I flee from Thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the innermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the darkness shall be light about me. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. 
There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That which you have spoken in the ear and closets shall be proclaimed from the housetops. Why? Because neither is there any creature that's not manifested in his sight, but all things are open and naked under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God is above all. He's aware of all. But notice lastly, he's able to do all. Boy, I love these last few verses. Verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God is able to do all. I like what Jeremiah said in chapter 32, verse 17. He said, Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by the stretched out arm, and there's nothing too hard for thee. Do you believe that? Nothing too hard for the Lord? You know, Abraham had trouble believing that. Abraham was 99 years old, his wife Sarah was 90. And God came to them one day in chapter 18 of Genesis, and he said, you're going to have a son. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah, they laughed. They said, God, uh, you're a little late. I mean, I know you made us a promise. You made a covenant with us. But, but God, Abraham says, I'm 99. Sarah, she's a good woman, but she's 90. Here's the phrase he used. We're past the age of bearing children. In other words, biologically, it was impossible. And God said in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? And I love Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. And Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son at the set time of which God has spoken to him. You see, with men it was impossible, not with God. With God, all things are possible. And Abraham and Sarah did have a son, didn't they? Isaac. And Isaac lives to be 40, and Sarah dies. Genesis 23. Sarah dies. So that would mean Sarah died at 130. She was 90 when Isaac was born. So Isaac is now 40, so it make him make her 130 when she died. That means Abraham was 139 at this point. And Abraham notices that this death of Isaac's mother is really hard on him. There's something missing in his life. His mom's gone. And Abraham said he needs a wife. Apparently Isaac didn't know he needed a wife, but Abraham said he needs a wife. So in Genesis 24, he takes his servant and he tells him to go find Isaac a wife. What a beautiful chapter. It's a love chapter. Now, young people, be patient. Love takes a long time. It's one of the longest chapters in the Old Testament, 67 verses. But it's a beautiful story. You know the story. The servant goes, the camels, the whole nine yards. You've heard it. It's a beautiful story. And he brings back Rebecca. And it's love at first sight. And the last verse, verse 67, they go into the tent. The marriage is consummated. 
And the Bible says in the last phrase of Genesis 24, Isaac is comforted upon the death of his mother. Beautiful. Turn the page, Genesis 25. Abraham gets remarried. He's 139. He gets remarried. Verse 2, he has six more kids. And they're not sextuplets. It does take nine months to have each one. I mean, this guy's 139. At 99, he says, God, it's too late. We can't have kids. We're past the age of bearing children. God says, watch this. God says, you're not only going to have a son, Isaac, at 99. You're going to have another whole family. You see, when God says nothing is impossible, he doesn't put a period there. He puts an exclamation point. God is able to do all. Listen, you might be here today saying, I, I, I can't get saved. God, God doesn't love me. I, I, I'm no good. I, I, I'm not worth being saved. God doesn't care about me. Listen, friend, the Bible says in Hebrews 7.25, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for you. You may have a pastor that's praying for you. You may have a, a friend that's praying for you. You may have a loved one praying for you, but God in heaven is praying for you today to be saved. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves you. He wants you to be saved. You may be here today saying, Brother Getch, I, I, I can't live for God. I, I try, but I, I just keep falling to the same sin over and over again. Wait a minute. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Nothing's impossible. There's not some sin that God can't forgive. There's not some sin that you can't get victory over. There's not some loved one that can't can't be saved. There's not a condition in the world that God can't bring revival to. Nothing's impossible with God. He's above all. He's aware of all. He's able to do all. So when are we going to start trusting Him? When are we going to look to Him instead of ourselves? When are we going to look to Him instead of the world leaders? When are we going to look to Him Instead of the culture around us, he's a great God. Behold your God. Trust him as your Savior today. As a Christian, make him the Lord of your life. Live for him. Serve him. One day you're going to see him face to face. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are.